the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. Say go New York, go New York, go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Knicks State of Mind podcast. I'm Matt Castillo with Chip Murphy. Now, yesterday was Memorial Day, so we just want to take the moment to thank all the brave men and women who served this country and protect our freedom. So thank you for anybody that um, is in the service and, and um, you know, spends time away from their family. It, it is really appreciated. Chip, it is now time for the NBA Finals. It's round three of Cleveland and Golden State. And I know this is a Nick podcast, but I mean, come on, you cannot not talk about the finals. Um, but third straight year, and LeBron James says this isn't a rivalry. Are you buying that, Chip? No, of course it's a rivalry. He has to say that because on one hand, he wants to downplay it a little bit, I think. And on the other hand, I think he also wants to rile the uh, Warriors up too because uh, he knows that He's trying to get under their skin. You know, Draymond Green does not feel the same way. He said uh, he's out for revenge. Draymond's a little different. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely a rivalry. I mean, it's the third, like you said, the third straight year. And everyone, the media is billing it as a trilogy. And, uh, you know, LeBron and the LeBron-Steph rivalry, they don't like each other. Kyrie and uh, Steph Curry are going to go head-to-head. Last year, Kyrie won the uh, rivalry, and uh, most people feel Steph is a better player, but people are consider Kyrie a more clutch player. So that's like kind of the uh, that's kind of the thrill of the rivalry. You know, Kyrie has the closer reputation that Steph doesn't really have. And then there's like uh, you know the Draymond factor too. Will Draymond get a bunch of technicals and get thrown out of a game or something too? There's also that. Yeah, he's got to watch his and kicking. Then, he's got to he's got to watch the kicking. Yeah, and the elbows and all that because yeah. you know the referees exactly. are going to be eyeing that the entire series, just waiting for him to do something Absolutely. idiotic. So that is definitely something to and look then for. Steve Kerr. Yeah, is he is he going to be coaching? Not be the coach. He's not going to be coaching game one. Oh wow! Uh, he already said that. And uh, he's not going to be coaching game one. I'm sure they'll announce it game by game. But, yeah, he's not going to be coaching game one, so it'll be very different with Mike Brown as the coach. Mike Brown, a very defensive-minded coach, not mm-hmm. that they even really need anyone to coach that offense yeah. that they after all these years. But uh, I think the spotlight will ultimately be focused on LeBron and Durant. So. Oh, yeah. And... and- Chip, I'm yeah. about to ask you, where, where do you, who do you have in this series? And how many games? Who, who do you have winning? I like the Warriors in six. Mm-hmm. I uh, really, I just think their offense is unstoppable. And I know Cleveland has really stepped it up on defense uh, since the playoffs started, but they haven't faced an offense like this. And other than LeBron you know, the numbers are pretty good on Cleveland's defense. But if you watch the games, other than LeBron and Tristan, uh, none of these guys are really very good defensive players. Uh, JR, when he wants to, is a pretty good defender. But makes a lot I've of stupid plays. Montchumper. 
Not something yeah, general. Always involved in something kind of stupid or, or, or trying to do yeah. too much. Yet yeah, he always gets called for the stupid fouls, and he yeah. looks at the referee like, "What? What's yeah. going on?" You know, that's Jr. Smith for you. Oh yeah, when he when he almost threw the ball away at the end of the Indiana Pacers game Gosh. when they were winning. Oh God, that's yeah, Jr. He's, he's made a lot of dumb plays. Cut down on him since playing with LeBron, but definitely made a lot of tough plays. Absolutely. Sure. And I, I agree with you 100%. I think Golden State wins this in six. Um, it pains me because I, I've said before, you know, I'm a diehard Knicks fan, but LeBron James is, is my all-time favorite player. And if the Knicks can't win, I hope LeBron James wins. But I just don't see how that's possible when you have a team that won 73 games a year ago and then they just add a former MVP to the mix. I don't I don't see how this team could be beaten. Um, honestly, I, I don't even really – if Golden State wins this championship, I'm going to be one of those that puts an asterisk next to it. I don't really think it counts. I mean, they formed the biggest super team. And I, I know LeBron James did something similar when he went to Miami, which was a weak move. No question about that. But I think what Kevin Durant did – was even weaker by joining a team that th- that didn't need his talent to be able to win championships. They already proved that. Um, so they're, they're a complete juggernaut, and again, in six games. But, but Chip, let me ask, who do you think will be the X factor in this series for, for either team? Well, for Golden State, I think it's Curry. I think they go as Steph Curry goes. I know it's cliche to say, uh, I know that's a cliche sports thing to say, but I really think they do. I know, I think Kevin Durant's going to get his no matter what. He's seven feet tall. He can shoot over anybody they put on him. And they're not going to put LeBron on him the entire game because they don't want to waste that. Mm-hmm. But Cleveland is going to run uh, Steph Curry off screens just like they did last year. And they're going to try and tire him out. And like everybody says, the whistles are different in the finals, so Steph Curry's going to get beat up a little bit. Yep. And if that affects him, you know, that's going to hurt Golden State's chances at winning. If it doesn't, then they're going to win pretty handily, I think. I mean, if Steph Curry averages 28 points a game and shoots 50% in this series, yep. I think Golden State wins pretty easily. Absolutely. That's a good yeah. point because last year in the finals, we seen Curry struggled. He wasn't himself. And then you look what happened. The 3-1, depth, yeah. uh, the 3-1 lead was blown by them because he really didn't have that great of a performance in the finals. Um, so that that's a good mm-hmm. point. But on the Cleveland side of things, who is the X factor? On the Cleveland side, I look like we said about, like I said about Durant. I think LeBron is going to get his as well, but I think just uh, his supporting cast is the X factor. Obviously, you can just look at any single one of them, but I'm going to go with Kevin Love mm-hmm. because. As much as LeBron is going to get his, I think Kyrie is going to score too. He's not going to shoot as high a percentage as those uh, as uh, Steph Curry, but I would say Kevin Love because he's not going to go down in the post anymore, and they need him to match Golden State's three point attack because Jr. is very streaky, mm-hmm. as we know, and he hasn't been great this season. He came back from injuries and. 
He's been a little erratic, even more so than usual. But they need Kevin Love to make his threes. And, you know, he's a terrible defensive player. They can also use him to play a little bit better defense than he usually does. So I'm going to say Kevin Love. If Kevin Love doesn't make his threes, they're really going to struggle to win. I agree with you there. I, actually, I'll start back with the Golden State side. I, I'll pick Andre Iguodal. Um, you look, he was the finals MVP oh, yeah, two years ago. One, yeah. And I think, you know, if he's able to do the things defensively that he did to LeBron a few series ago, which LeBron's numbers in that series were flat out ridiculous because he had it played by himself. But you can just see that when they made the change of putting Iguodala into uh, the starting rotation and, and, you know, putting him on LeBron, he definitely had an impact on LeBron's performances and really made him work for his his stats. And, and that's the thing. If you want to tire out LeBron causing the stroke, you really have to make him work hard. If he's out in transition, I mean, he's a runaway freight train. He'll have a field day. So the guy to contain that, I think, is Iguodala. I think the rest, of the, they have plenty of offense. They're going to score the basketball. Um, terrific shooters all across that roster. But I think the key is, you know, you're going to get a lot from um Kyrie Irving and a lot for LeBron James and I think you have to really make those guys work and I think Iguodala is going to be the key in order to slow down LeBron and and really give him um you know a difficult time out there now for the Cleveland side of it I hear exactly what you're saying with Kevin Love I actually was going to mention him um he had a great series in the Eastern Conference Finals and if he shoots the basketball the way that he did in in the, uh, the series against Boston he, he's going to give Cleveland a chance to win it. Um, you know, I think it's very important for him to be that guy that he was in Minnesota. If he's that kind of guy, the guy that's getting 20 and 10, I don't know if, he, if he's going to be able to get that with all, you know, LeBron and Kyrie getting theirs. But if he can have that kind of impact, that will certainly help Cleveland in this series tremendously. But I'll pick a guy that I think changed the finals last year. Stats might not jump out at you, but it was somebody that right from the bat I was calling for the Cavs to do was to give Richard Jefferson more minutes. He played phenomenal in the finals last year, did a terrific job and did little things. And I think he needs to do that again. And he hit some big shots in that series. So I will pick Richard Jefferson again. I think the veteran guy to come in off the bench for him, um, they're definitely going to need him to – do what he did last year. Um, but with that being said, now we do have a few New York Knicks, former New York Knicks that are playing in this finals. Um, now, Matt Barnes is on Golden State, obviously. I only played six games for the New York Knicks. Um, but on the Cavalier yeah. side, we have uh, Shannon Fry, Amon Shumpert, J.R. Smith, uh, Derek Williams. Um, am I missing anybody, Chip? Does that sound right? No, just those four guys. Those four guys. Okay, so mm-hmm. here's how we're going to tie the New York Knicks into this. Which player, Chip, do you think will have the biggest impact in this finals that was a former Nick? And it's probably going to come from the Cleveland side. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't think I, Matt Barnes is going to get huge minutes. Matt Barnes, yeah, I think Matt Barnes will sit for a majority of these finals. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been pretty ineffective. Uh Hmm. I'm going to say, I still think out of those guys, it'll be JR. Mm-hmm. I think Derek Williams probably, like Matt Barnes, he won't see the floor very much. Yep. I think Sh- 
Shumpert, it Shumpert is what he is. You know, he's I think his defense is a little overrated. His uh his shooting never really streaky got to the level that the Knicks were hoping that it was going to get to. Mm-hmm. Uh and Channing Fry has been excellent for them because he's constantly open. Uh constant uh but yeah, I think it's JR because they need another uh, starter to score. And like I was saying, uh, Kevin, if Kevin Love doesn't make his threes, then uh, the Cavs are in trouble. Mm-hmm. Well, J.R. Smith is supposed to be uh, their other three-point shooter. And, you know, during the playoffs, he has been uh, uh, knocking down his threes. He's shooting 45%, and he's putting up almost four shots per game from downtown. So if he can keep up that pace, then... They're going to be, they're going to be pretty good, I think. But uh, I, I just don't think they're going to depend on Iman Shumpert very much. I don't think they have that much confidence in him. You know, he's played 17 minutes a game so far, and Jr's played 26. And Fry, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't see the court very much either. Yeah, he didn't play a lot last uh, year in the finals. Yeah, either. I, I'd say Jr. Yeah, I think Jr. Yeah, is uh, definitely the obvious choice because he's going to have the most minutes, the, the biggest opportunities to shine. Um, but I, I also think Shannon Fry, if he gets in there, man, I, I think he's really important because of you know being another big guy that can stretch the floor. If he when he gets his minutes, he needs to make the most of it. That's even the thing about Shumpert. When they get their minutes, the only way they're going to win is if those guys. Uh, contribute, hit the open shots because they get plenty of them, as as you mentioned. That they they seem to be open all the time with LeBron James, Kyrie, uh, tracking so much attention that those guys are open. So yeah, Jr. I think is the the obvious choice. Um, again, being the starter, playing the big minutes, but I think the the biggest Nick or, or former Nick to have an impact in this, I, I I think it needs to be Shannon Fry, and if Cleveland is going to win, because you know, just being the big man that can stretch the floor. But one thing for sure is this is going to be another exciting series. I'm, I can't wait. I can't wait, Chip. I, I know you're probably excited to watch it as well and watch two good teams just really battle it out and lay it all on the line. Um, can't wait to Thursday. It'll be a good one, man. I'm really excited. But we're going to wrap it up for the first segment. And when we come back, we're going to discuss the Knicks triangle offense. Some believe that it's not going to work in today's game. Some do. So we'll, we'll get into that in just a moment. Hi, everybody. This is Chip Murphy, co-host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast and boss of all New York Knicks content at EliteSportsNY.com. To follow my work, you can find me on Twitter at, at Chipper Murphy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Nick State of Mind podcast. Now, just to share some information with you, we did build our Twitter page. Um, you can find us now at NYKSOM Podcast on Twitter. And we posted that image that we, we talked about last week on the show about who was the blame, and it had the picture of uh, Dolan as the owner, front office with Jackson, um, coaching and players and we talked about how it starts with the owner but we did have a fan um message us about that tweet that we put and 
It is at M. Weschler, and we want to thank you for uh, reaching out to us and sharing what you thought. We love that, and we encourage all our followers to participate in our discussion. We would love to hear from you. Um, so, again, we, we appreciate uh, M. Weschler for um, you know responding to us, and he says the front office – uh, no one can blame Dolan for bringing on Phil, other than him being a general butthole. I cleaned that up a little bit. He stayed out of b-ball decisions. So, Chip, when you hear that, um, what, what do you think about his uh, comment? You think he has a point? Uh, no, I don't, because Dolan is the one who hired Phil and was enamored with uh, Phil's uh, all of Phil's championship rings, and he thought that he was so convinced of Phil's. This is what when people say things like that, this is what you need to realize. James Dolan was so convinced that Phil could handle things that he decided to finally back away from basketball decisions. He said, "I don't need to be involved anymore because this guy can handle it." That's how wrong he was. He didn't know that this guy was going to be the worst of them all. He couldn't even figure that out. Exactly. So I don't know why we're not blaming Dolan at all. And, and I don't get I, I'll say this. Where I do agree with him is you can't blame Dolan for bringing in Phil Jackson three years ago. Because I, I will admit that at the time, I loved it. I thought Phil Jackson would bring his championship pedigree knowledge and help turn around the Knicks. Now, here's how it goes back to Dolan. It's been three years. Nothing positive has happened with Phil Jackson as the president of basketball operations. It's been more mm-hmm. harm than good. We see issues with Carmelo Anthony. We see issues now with Porzingis. Um, we see bad sign, uh, signings like the Joaquin Noah signing. Um, so... Do I understand why Dolan made the decision to bring in Phil? Absolutely. But what I don't agree with is why he extended his his option. I mean, he's failed. Other people have around basketball have said he has failed. He has not done anything positive with the Knicks. And like we talked about, if his only glory is that he drafted Christoph Przingis, great. We're still not winning. You know, I'm glad that we have Przingis. Very excited to see him continue to grow as a player, but we're not winning, and he's not helping us win. So, again, we appreciate the uh, putting your input in there, but we definitely disagree with you here. But doesn't mean you're wrong. That's just our opinion. You're entitled to your opinion. Um, but we are going to move on to what this segment is really about, and it's about the Knicks triangle offense. And Chip, Kenyon Martin made some headlines this week for something that he said about the triangle offense. You have that quote in front of you. Can you read that quote? I do, yeah. Uh, Kenny Martin said, the triangle is not going to run in this NBA. I don't care who you have on the floor. This is not your Bulls. This is not Kobe and Shaq's Lakers. This is the 2017 NBA, and that style of basketball is not going to go. So, Chip, let me ask you, do do you agree with his comment? I agree 100%. I mean, this this is a stance that that a lot of people, I think, around the league have. I mean, uh, Fran Fraschilla from ESPN, you know, he was quoted uh, recently 
when he was asked about, uh, as as you called him last week, the uh, the French kid, the, the the rookie point guard who's coming up. The French he kid was asked about him. And he, <laughs> yeah, and he said that uh, he said that the French kid would uh, make a good fit for the Knicks, but uh, for the wrong reasons because he would be a fit in the triangle. And he said that the triangle doesn't work because there's no floor spacing, you know, mm-hmm. and the NBA right now is all about floor spacing and the three point shot and the triangle doesn't encourage that. And it's so basic why it shouldn't be run. And Phil Jackson is so stubborn, but you know, like Kenny Martin continues here. You have to use a guy's skill sets. I understand Mello is a ball stopper. I played with him for eight years. I understand that. But you do things to circumvent that. You get him a strong-minded point guard who he respects. I don't think Phil has done a good job in doing that. That's mm-hmm. pretty much a giant understatement. I think that's, <laughs> wow, I don't think Phil has done a good job in doing that. If you have a problem or something to say to a player or whoever it is, you go to that player and have a man-to-man conversation. Whatever comes out of that is where it should be. And that's the, that's the end of the article. But, yeah, Phil doesn't. Phil prefers to uh, attack the player on Twitter and attack him in press conferences. It's, it's pretty embarrassing what Phil does, but we don't need to go down that road. This is about the triangle offense. <laughs> and it's, you know, you have somebody like Kenyon Martin who – Obviously, he doesn't think the triangle will work. I don't know, I'll get into my, my point uh, of the triangle in just a second, but I can't help but think there, there are other players who have defended the triangles. Like, like Shaquille O'Neal this year said that the reason why the triangle yeah. is not working in New York is because stubbornness. It's, um, mm-hmm. The players are not willing to even give it a try. And Chip, i got to admit that you know I'm not convinced the triangle can work anymore but I will say that every time the Knicks seem to try the triangle offense they don't fully stay committed to it they always seem to go somewhere else with the offense and it makes me wonder why don't they just try it to see so I I, when I hear something like Shaquille O'Neal saying um, I kind of see where he's coming from that you know Carmelo Anthony has basically flat out said he does not like the triangle offense he won't buy into it. But what happens if he actually tried? He could be successful in it, like guys like Kobe and you know Shaquille O'Neal and all that. Um, and another guy that's defended the triangle, um, Dennis Rodman. A lot of people say the triangle is just highly too complicated of an offensive system to learn. And that's probably true, because if you look around the NBA – not too many teams are running the triangle offense. It is a very complicated offense to run. Um, but according to Dennis Rodman, he said, I learned the triangle offense in 15 minutes. It's not that difficult. I um, don't know how reliable of a source he is because Dennis Rodman, a great basketball player, yeah. can't argue that. But the man is not all there in the head. I think that's pretty safe to say. I respect him as a basketball player, one of the most fierce rebounders and defender players in the game. But um, don't know how credible he can be to learning the triangle uh, system. But no. you know, and they also had a guy by the name of Michael Jordan that really 
made that offense go and perform well. Um, but Chip, do you see these other guys' points that do say the triangle could work if the Knicks are committed to it? Maybe what I'm trying to say basically is we, like I said before, we we don't see the Knicks fully stick to the triangle. We see flashes of it, and sometimes it doesn't look half bad. But do you think if Carmelo Anthony's on the team and we truly stick to the triangle like we're supposed to, do you think it could work? Or you just say, we don't have the players, we don't, Carmelo Anthony's not a great fit for that system either. Would you, would, is that how you're thinking? I actually don't, I actually don't believe that Carmelo isn't a bad fit. That Carmelo is a bad fit for the triangle. I mean, Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan, people say Carmelo Anthony's a ball stopper. Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan are the two biggest small <laughs> hogs in the history of the NBA. That's what I'm saying. That's, and they apparently were good fits. That's what I'm saying. System. I think Carmelo would be a but, great fit, but keep going. Yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of now all of us, it's been three years, and now all of a sudden Phil Jackson is completely taking control of the team and saying we're, we're now we're going to go completely full triangle offense. Uh, it's so... I thought we were doing like tr- we're doing triangle. Like you said, nobody runs the triangle offense. The triangle, like Phil's defenders, the triangle defenders say, oh, well, people run elements of the triangle all over the league and they're successful. Like the Warriors run parts of the triangle and the Spurs run parts of the triangle. That's like what the triangle defenders tell you to say that it can work. Mm-hmm. And. Look, nobody runs a full-on triangle offense, though. No one does that. And that's what the Knicks are intending to do next season. They're drafting players and signing players based on how they fit into an offensive system. That's not how you run a team. That's I don't think that's how they should be doing things. And that's why I don't think it will work when... Jackson is running things based on trying to get a guy out of town who I think would be a fit in the system if Jackson's secondary goal to bringing in players who fit in the triangle wasn't a vendetta against this man to try and force him out of town. Mm-hmm. And that's, all, that's been his biggest problem. He seems more focused on petty vendettas than trying to build a winning team since he got to New York. And the where I'm at with it, with the triangle offense, is like I said, I'm not fully convinced that it could still work. I, I'm more towards how the game is now played today. Like we said, we we see that more teams now want to shoot the three ball. Everybody sees what Golden State did, and now they copy that. They, um, you know, Houston Rockets take more threes than anybody in the league. Um, and and, and where I'm at with the triangle is. It's an offense that you don't need much from your point guard. Um, be able to shoot the basketball. Obviously got to be able to be a good passer, a smart player. Um, and, and I think that fit the style of, of a definition of a point guard years ago. That's no longer the case in today's game. The point guards do everything now. I mean, you look at guys like Russell Westbrook and, and James Harden. They nearly averaged triple doubles, um, you know, that not just passing the ball, they're scoring 30 points a game, um, getting 10 assists a game, getting in there in the rebounding aspect of the game. And, 
that's what makes me question the triangle because it, I think it can take away some of the athletic ability that it seems that point guards nowadays are just brought up having. Um, even in this upcoming draft, the question is um, the French kid. People say he's um, a good fit for the triangle. But you look at other options in the draft, some really athletic point guards that may probably won't be a good fit for the triangle. And where you're taking away yeah. is, you know, the game now is what? Pick and roll. You get some of these kids in a pick and roll situation and they're almost unstoppable. And then you're taking that away by forcing a triangle option. So, you know, I look at something like the Knicks. They're going to draft a point guard. Who knows if I'll get a point guard that will even be the right fit for that offense. And even though you try to mold them into that, you're still taking away the strength of what they, they're they're able to do. Um, you know, that's just my take on it. I think it affects more of point guards, in my opinion. I think point guards nowadays just do a whole lot more. And I, I'm a believer in just the simple pick and roll. I mean, that's basically what the NBA is now, is just isolation yeah. and pick and roll. And point guards are able to do everything now. I think, honestly, I think the key for the New York Knicks to turn around their struggles is to find a point guard. I mean, you know, I think back to 2013 where they had maybe not the most athletic guy at this point in his career, but they had Jason Kidd. You know, he did at yeah. times struggle with his shot, but, you know, somebody like him who wasn't a threat as a scorer, and I know this is kind of contradicting the argument that I'm just making, but I mean, this is, I'm kind of in between about the triangle, but, you know, somebody like Jason Kidd didn't do a whole lot of scoring, more of that conventional point guard role, and the ball movement was just unbelievable for the Knicks that year, and that was a huge part of their success. So with my take on it, yeah. I'm kind of, I'm just, I'm in between, Chip. I think, you know, it would be nice to see the team actually try to run it and stop, you know, going away from it in a week or two. Um, but at the same time, I think the offense can limit some of what these athletic guards are capable of doing in just a simple pick and roll situation. I mean, you look at somebody like Kyrie Irving, just an isolation pick and roll, and he's deadly. I mean, I'll tell you right now, we just talked about the finals, but uh, what are they going to run? They're going to have Curry on, or they'll have Clay Thompson probably on Kyrie, and they're going to look to set the screen to get the switch with Curry, and he'll pick Curry apart like he did on that shot that he made in yeah. Game 7 of the finals. So I, I'm – They'll I'm, run pick and roll on – the Warriors will run pick and roll on Kevin Love mm-hmm. all game long. Yep, exactly. That, that really is – you find a lot of guys nowadays that are – Really, when you think about the NBA, there isn't any defense. So you always have some kind of weak link out there, and that's why I think a pick and roll, you get that mismatch with a guy that can create on his own and score. That's all you really need. So, you know, that's just – it's one of those things that um, I'm on the fence on. And, again, this would be a great topic and um, for our Twitter. We'll definitely have a pull-up if you think – the triangle offense can still work in the NBA and can still work for the New York Knicks. And again, just to encourage the supporters of the Knicks Data Mind podcast to um, talk to us. Let us know what you think about the triangle offense and, and um, love to hear from you guys. Absolutely. But I think 
that is going to wrap it up for our second segment, and we'll be moving on to our last segment of the show, and it deals with Carmelo Anthony. Somebody had a birthday yesterday, so we'll have some fun with him, and then also a little news. Definitely a little news out there on Carmelo Anthony. Just came in, right, Chip? Yeah. By today, it just came in. All right, Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll be right back. Hello, everybody. Matt Castillo, the co-host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast and contributor to Elite Sports New York. You can follow me at Twitter at MattyDiesel15 to get my latest articles, videos, and podcasts. Make sure to follow Elite Sports New York's Twitter as well at Elite Sports NY and the rest of Elite Sports New York's social media pages to stay up to date to all the New York sport news. Welcome back to the Knicks State of Mind podcast. Now, there was just some news that broke maybe a few hours ago regarding Carmelo Anthony, um, possibly Carmelo Anthony, the news that could kind of associate it with him. Uh, Chip, can you tell us that news? Yeah, Matt, more like, uh, hopefully Carmelo. Anthony <laughs> yeah. <news. laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, ESPN's, uh, Mark Stein actually tweeted out, uh, uh, it says, uh, NBA draft scuttle, Hearing Detroit is open to discussing trades for its number 12 overall pick in hopes of acquiring more of a win-now veteran. So the hope is that it could be Carmelo Anthony that could be that veteran. And as we know, the Knicks are interested in acquiring a second lottery pick. Mm-hmm. So the and 12th overall pick, that would be in the lottery and the Knicks would be able to get another rotation player, hopefully, with that 12th pick. That would be beautiful. Um, yeah. But, again, I think it's a situation that it's just more wishful thinking. Um, key word of yeah. hopes of acquiring a more of a win-now veteran. I don't think people absolutely look at Carmelo Anthony right now and say, you know, he's a guy that'll come in and help us win. Camelo Anthony needs a lot, a lot of talent around him if he would ever win a championship. Um, don't get me wrong, great player. Um, but mm-hmm. I, so I great again, score. Great score. Great score. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and a, a solid rebounder. Yeah. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, this is again something that I just don't see. Carmelo Anthony, well, because one, he holds all the power. Um, so even yeah. if the New York Knicks had a deal in place that would send him to Detroit, the question will be, will Carmelo Anthony... Will he approve it? Of approve course. it, yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't... The last time I checked, and again, all these are just rumors when you hear destinations that he would want to go to, but I don't think Detroit is necessarily on his list of places that he would want to go um, well, yeah, when I was doing my little write up, I said, uh, would he be open to the trade? I mean, Kobe, when you remember when back in the day, uh, when, uh, Kobe's Lakers were pretty terrible and they were exploring trading him, they tried to trade him to the Pistons for, uh, Rip Hamilton. And, and, uh, I believe Tayshaun Prince was included in the deal too. And Kobe nixed it. He didn't want to go to Detroit. So I wrote, like, would Melo be willing to go to Detroit? You know, his buddy Kobe Bryant would uh, wasn't willing to do it. 
So, I mean, I'm not sure. You know, it's not like Kobe was willing to go to Chicago. Melo might be willing to go to Chicago. Uh, Yeah, like you said, Detroit, I think, would be a pretty tough sell for Melo, especially when they're not very good. They didn't even make the playoffs in the East. That's that's they the were, thing. They uh, were 37 and 45. That's you the know, thing. They he took won't. a step back this year. He's going to want to play for a, a contender. He's already said, if I if I are in a rebuilding situation right now with the Knicks, and I would be willing to take a, a, a trade or accept a trade, it would be with a team that's a contender right now. Him going to Detroit. But, nope, Matt. It wasn't there. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You go ahead. You got a point. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, it was their offense that was the problem, though. They were, I mean, they were a top ten defensive team last year. It was just they they had trouble scoring. So I mean, mm. he would help them score. That's I'm just throwing that out there. I, That's know, a good I'm point. That is a good point. They have a lot of good. Would say yeah. So I'm just. They have a lot of good yeah. young defensive players. That's a good point. Um, and, and yes, Kamel Anthony mm. would certainly help them because I think somebody like Reggie Jackson. I know he was banged up early on in the year and really didn't get to play a full year, but he was, he was a disappointment. Um, you know, Drummond. Yeah, I think they want him out of there. Exactly. I think yeah. they gave him, they, they, they kind of took the bait on him and gave him a massive contract. And they're certainly regretting mm-hmm. that contract right now. Um, the Knicks may have to take him on to do the deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I could be mistaken, Chip, but wasn't it a few years ago that the Knicks, or, or there were some rumors that the Knicks were interested in getting somebody like him? Did I did I hear that before? Or? I thought when he was with Oklahoma City. Yeah, I yeah, I think there was a time, or even yeah. in the free agency, that the Knicks were looking to target him. But, I mean, that's a massive contract to take on. But yeah, I, I mean, they gave him $80 million, I remember. It was five years, eighty. And that was last, that was 2015. They signed into that one. But I remember the Nets were interested in trading for him when he was with Oklahoma. But th- that was one of the many Brooke Lopez trade rumors. But uh, yeah, he, I'm sure he was attached to the Knicks. So he was attached to a lot of teams when he was with Oklahoma. Yeah. So, but yeah, that is a huge number for a guy who had such a, a bad season last year. And, Fell out of favor with his teammates too, but you know the Knicks need a point guard. He does need a fresh start. I wouldn't be surprised if Phil considered it. Yeah, I'm sure he Mello is. Gone. I'm sure Phil he is. Pick. He yeah. he wants to pick. He wants sure Melo gone. I'm sure Phil Jackson's all about it. But again, yeah, it's Camelo Anthony holds that power, folks. So. It is yep. something that most likely won't happen. Again, wishful thinking because mm-hmm. it's just best for them to separate, but probably not going to have a trade partner there. But, Chip, something else on Carmelo Anthony, as we kind of hinted to before we started the segment, that he had a birthday yesterday. He's 33 years old now, so we wanted to wish Carmelo Anthony a very happy birthday. Um and I, I saw a video. He was actually working out in the gym, getting ready for the season. So you know, turning on um, you know, his focus on having a big year, perhaps next year. Um, you know, at 33 years old, he needs to be in the gym as much as he possibly can to keep. He already has a nice jump shot, but to keep that um, jump shot, you know, smooth and still being able to knock down those long range shots, he needs to be in the gym. It's good to see. Um, but Chip, we wanted to have a little fun with Carmelo Anthony and and for his birthday we were talking about 
the top three Carmelo Anthony moments. So, Chip, do you have your list of your top three Carmelo Anthony moments since he's been a New York Knick? Starting with number three. Number three isn't really uh, basketball-related, but this is one of the ones where I realized I kind of fell in love with Melo as like a Nick and realized he belonged was when uh, him and uh, KG, when KG was a Celtic, because I've always hated KG. <laughs> and when KG was a Celtic and he, he got up in Melo's face and they said, he said something about Melo's wife, and it was later disproved that that's what happened. But he kept getting up in Melo's face, and Melo finally came back at him. And it was January 7th, 2013. And then they said Melo, like, confronted him in the parking garage after to have a uh, one-on-one conversation with him about the uh, words he used during the game. And it was... Uh, and Melo said after the game, it's, it's certain things you just don't say one uh, man to another man. And Garnett said, he's the battle man. And, <laughs> you know, people just had to fill in the blanks and stuff. But, yeah, that was when Melo was willing to, you know, because KG does a bunch of stuff on the court and guys just kind of let it go. So when Melo was willing to confront KG like that, I, I thought that was really great because KG is always – KG, to me, was always kind of like a bully, mm-hmm. a high school bully. He's always, like, getting up in, like, a little guy's face. Like, he used to bully, like, J.J. Barreda, the point guard from the Mavs. Yep. Like, he told like he has no business being on an NBA court because he's so small. It's so weird. But, he told yeah, Charlie Villaweva. Right and I always like that. You remember when he told Charlie yeah, Villaweva yeah. that he looked like a cancer patient? So, you know, when it comes to trash talk. but Oh, definitely. yeah, that was Horrible. That was horrible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's another reason. I, I'm with you. I don't like KG too much either. Even in that Area 21 that he's on TNT with, I shut it off. I mean, I, I don't want to yeah. watch that trash. But that's a, that's a good third moment. So, Chip, what's your second favorite moment of Camille Anthony? My second is has to be when he broke uh, Bernard King's scoring record. This was. Uh, and he could have scored more points. They took him out of the game, yeah. but this was January 24th, uh, 2014. Yep. And uh, he scored 62 points against the Bobcats. And it was almost 30 years that he held the record. Bernard King did it on Christmas Day. And Mello was just unbelievable. Uh, it was, you know, unfortunately, most of these moments are uh, regular season moments, but that was about as great a regular season moment as you can get. Uh, it was really just fun to watch that that whole thing. I remember watching it live, and it was great because I think Al Jefferson had a pretty good game that year too, and it was good to watch because that was a disappointing season. You know, after the year after they won a 54 game, the expectations were pretty high, and they disappointed and didn't make the playoffs, but you know, Melo had a great game, and that was pretty fun. And that was also, like, uh, Amari was banged up that year, and he didn't play very well. It was good to have something to cheer for. Absolutely agree with you. That's actually going to be on my list as well. Mm-hmm. Um, a little different yeah. perspective with it, but uh, I'll get into that in a second. But, Chip, what is your top Carmelo Anthony moment? My top moment isn't really a moment, but it's more like a – 
something that took place over an entire season because it's it's the 2012-13 season. The Knicks' first division title since 94. They won 54 games. They were the two seed. Mello won the scoring title. Uh, 28.7 points a game. He was incredible. Uh, it, unfortunately, it ended with the Knicks losing in the second round, which was incredibly disappointing because, you know, his teammates didn't show up. J.R. Smith was awful in yes. that Pacers series. Those defenses were amazing. And it, mean, started, it started with J.R. after that, that suspension he got with the Celtics in that first round of that, that playoffs when he got suspended yeah. for his stupidity mm-hmm. and just completely lost rhythm because he was playing so well that season. It was like that killed all the momentum. He was playing. He was playing yeah. such a high level. They, I mean. Didn't he win the sixth man of yeah, the year he, award that year? Was it that year? Was it that year he won that? It might have been that year. I'm pretty sure it was. I think it was, you know, he yeah, was averaging was. like 20 yeah, points a was. game or something it like was. that. He was unbelievable. And then all yeah, of that was just was taken that away he, by that. Yeah. But that is a good Yeah, because he, he shot 28% in that Pacers series. They just Man. totally locked him up. And 23% on threes. That was brutal. That's JR. Got to yeah, love him. and Shumpert was bad, too. Shumpert was bad. It was, it was, it was a rough series. I mean, Melo did what he could. Melo averaged 28 and uh, eight rebounds. And the second highest score was uh, JR, and he averaged 13 points on 28% shooting. So it was a... Uh, it's a rough series, man. Absolutely. And then, Chip, I'm going to share my top three. My first is obviously when it all begins, February 22nd, 2011, when he made his Nick debut uh, against the Milwaukee Bucks. And then, Chip, when he got traded to the Knicks, I, mean, I'm, I was just used to losing all the time, being terrible. And we get Carmelo Anthony. I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Um, I thought, you know, I was that delusional fan that thought we were going to win some championships and be competitive even though the rest of the next team stunk there was really nobody around him but you know Kamala Anthony's coming I mean come on this is awesome I was thinking and that first game against the Bucks, his debut he had 27 points he had a double double chip he had 27 points and 10 rebounds in that 114-108 victory over the Milwaukee Bucks so you know I remember watching that game and thinking like oh man it's going to turn around. I don't. I'm not used to seeing the Knicks, you know, score this much points or, or having a score like that that I know is going to score 30 points a game. And it just, uh, it's awesome. It's great. And then so much, not so much. I know I don't want to be too negative on his birthday list or, or something that's an honor of him. Yeah, um, <laughs> you can't help but be, you know, so devastated when you think about the old moments. And then number two, I'm with you with that. Uh, 62-point performance against the uh, Hornets, Charlotte Hornets. And that's a day before my birthday. Oh, it was against the Hornets? It was against the Hornets, yeah. Yeah, when, he's, um, when he hit, he hit a half-court shot at halftime and all that. I remember that game well because it was a day before my birthday. And uh, I did not see the game live. I think I went out with my family for my birthday. And I'm the kind of guy that does not miss, miss games. It, it won't happen. Like, I will shut off notifications on every social media thing i will hide from every tv <laughs> i embarrass the crap out of my girlfriend because uh i will hide from the score if somebody's talking about it i'll dive under that table i will do it because i will watch the game it's just that important to me i can't miss it 
So I remember I went home and watched that game a little bit after it went out, and I was just going crazy. He just wasn't missing. I mean, I mentioned he hit a half-court shot during the game. I mean, he was just on fire. And I was late to the party, you know, like I said, and I was tweeting about it like it was happening live and just having a great old time. So that was just an unbelievable performance by Carmelo Anthony. And now my number one moment, again, starts with that 2013. It's not really a specific moment, but it's just that 2013 season. You mentioned he won the scoring title. I mean, he was unbelievable. And I remember even the summer before that season was the Olympics, I believe, in London. And you just watched how well he was playing in in London. I mean, I know the U.S. team is stacked with talent, but, I mean, the guy was just the rim looked as big as the ocean in that in that Olympic tournament. I mean, he wasn't missing. And I remember thinking, uh, man, I think next year is going to be a huge year for him. I made sure, um, you know, with my fantasy basketball team, I drafted Carmelo Anthony really early. I think my first pick, and there were so many other guys that I could have taken before him, but I just felt so confident that he was going to have a big year that year. And he certainly did. I mean, a lot of people forget. LeBron James won the MVP that year, and uh, a lot of people thought LeBron James was going to be the first unanimous MVP. Obviously, that happened with Stephen Curry last year. Um, but the guy that got a vote that to take that away from LeBron James was Carmelo Anthony with that unbelievable year that he had. And again, it ended in such disappointment um, in that series with Indiana, but I mean, that, that's really the last positive, fun you know, New York Knicks season that there has been in a while. It's just been pain and miserable or, or misery feeling since that. And, uh, man, I'd just do anything just to see the Knicks play at a high level again. That year was so much fun, and just Carmelo Anthony was such a big part of it. Um, but those are my top three favorite moments. Um, Chip, you... I mean, you're basically on the same page once again with uh, Carmelo Anthony in those Pretty moments. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's basically, I think a lot of Nick fans would agree those are kind of the top three big things. Um, but again, I'm going to encourage the listeners to send us feedback. Tweet us at the NYKSOM podcast and, and tell us what you your favorite moments of Carmelo Anthony are. But I think it's going to wrap up the show today. And again, just a reminder, you can find this podcast on the radio section at EliteSportsNY.com. You can also find us on iTunes. You can find us at, when you search Elite Sports NY or the Nick State of Mind podcast, you can find us on SoundCloud. A lot of people were asking us, Chip, um, where can they listen to the podcast and where they can subscribe and all that. So those are the places that you can get our podcast. And um, again, we would love the feedback. We love engaging with the Nick fans and would love to hear from you guys. So um, we thank you for the support and we hope you enjoy.